And uh, last week we looked at Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. If you remember, Jesus, he made a proclamation and he gave an invitation. The proclamation was this. Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. And the command, the proclamation was, repent and believe in the good news. Jesus went on and he offered an invitation there to Simon Peter. He offered an invitation to Andrew and to James and John. Here's the invitation he gave them. Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. What an incredible proclamation. What an awesome invitation. Listen, no one else can say what Jesus says. No one else can do what Jesus does. He is the Messiah. Mark has made that very clear. It was one of the very first things Mark said in his gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the promised one. He he is the chosen one. He is the Son of God. That's what Mark says in his gospel. And today we're going to see Jesus, after he's made this proclamation and after he's offered this invitation, we're going to see Jesus come on the scene with authority. Now I want to ask you a question. Has anybody in here ever struggled with authority? You better get your hand up. Every one of you better get your hand up. Let's practice this right now. Has anybody in here ever struggled with authority? There we go. That's a lot better. See, you're telling the truth now up in church. Yeah. Hey, listen, we struggle with authority. I'll tell you what, I believe we struggle in two ways. First of all, we struggle to have it, but then we also struggle against it. (laughs) There's probably teachers in the room that say amen to the struggle against it. Because they got kids in the classroom that don't want to believe that that teacher is the boss. Right? They, they believe they're the boss. Or sometimes they might even say, well, my mom and daddy. Well, listen, that teacher's in that classroom, not mom and daddy. So that teacher has the authority in that classroom. You know what? Mamas and daddies might say, yeah, I struggle with it. <laughs> I struggle with teaching my kid who the boss is in the house. Right? Who pays the bills? Who puts the clothes on their back? Who puts the food on? Listen, we can go on and on about the struggles with authority, can't we? I'm going to tell you what, I think we struggle with authority. And what I mean is the authority that we have in this life. Do you know who you are? Do you know whose you are? You are a child of God. You're a child of the King. And in this life as Christ followers, you have what is known as kingdom authority. And I believe you and I struggle with it every day. See, I believe Jesus Christ is going to show us today the authority that He has. And He has all authority. He has authority over everything that we see and face in this life. Listen, I believe we have doubts and fears about something called sickness. We see it all around us, don't we? We see sickness. We see this COVID thing. We we see this thing called cancer. We, we, We see all these ailments, all these diseases. Listen, we see people die because of sickness, because of ailments. And I believe that's one area, that's one area where we struggle with the authority that God has given us. We we fear sickness. We fear death. We have doubts about the sickness around us. We have doubts about all of these things. I'm going to tell you something. As a child of God, you need to know who you are and whose you are so that you don't live with fear and so that you don't live with doubt. You need to trust God because you know God is in control. And Jesus is going to show us what kingdom authority looks like and what it's all about. 
I, I want you to see this. Jesus, in the, in the Word today, this is what I want you to see. Jesus has absolute authority. I want to stress that word, absolute. He has absolute authority in and over all of creation. Absolute means he lacks nothing. When it comes to authority, he lacks nothing. He has all authority. Absolute authority in creation and over creation. That means anything that you and I see, anything you and I hear, and I'm going to tell you what, that means anything you and I don't see and don't hear, Jesus has authority over it. And as a child of God, that ought to give you comfort. That ought to give you peace. But I'm going to tell you something, that ought to give you boldness. That, that ought to empower you and enable you to live life to the full, regardless of the circumstances that surround you. I, I hope you see that in the Word today. I, I hope you see Jesus today. Mark chapter 1, we're going to move through this passage, it's verses 21 through 34, but in this first passage, I want to read 21 through 28. And I want you to think about that absolute authority that Jesus has in and over all of creation. Verse 21, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had what? Authority. Not as teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with, what's that word? Authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. We see the authority of Jesus Christ in and over all of creation. Listen, Capernaum was an outskirt town on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. If you're wondering where it was, it was on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. Some scholars, some theologians believe that this was one way for Jesus to keep a lower profile without large crowds and without the masses causing an unwanted stir or scene. Jesus was beginning his earthly ministry. And he wanted, to, he wanted ministry to be about what God wanted it to be about, not what about man wanted it to be about. Do you remember what the people were expecting of the Messiah? You know what they thought the Messiah, the King, was going to be? The one to come and overthrow Rome. They had their ideas about what the Messiah was and what the Messiah was going to do, what the King was and what the King was going to do. But Jesus came to do <laughs> what God said to do, not what man said to do. And so some theologians say, okay, well, Jesus, he made his way to Capernaum because it was a smaller outskirt town and he wouldn't draw and command so much attention. But what we see is that even in this small town, where did Jesus go immediately? 
He went to the synagogue. He went to the synagogue. Now, I want you to know there was only one temple at this time, and that was the temple in Jerusalem. However, there were many synagogues. And listen, synagogues were placed in towns all over. Here was the rule back in the day. If there were 10 Jewish males over the age of 13, there had to be a synagogue in that town. That was a rule. There had to be a synagogue in the town if there were 10 Jewish males over the age of 13. And so there was a synagogue here in Capernaum. We don't know how many people uh, you know, were living in this town, were coming to the synagogue, but we do know that it was a good group of people. And so Jesus, he goes straight to the synagogue. He goes straight to the church, if you will. And he begins to teach, and he begins to teach with authority. Listen, I see two things in this passage right here. First of all, Jesus, he teaches with authority through his words, right? Jesus, I believe, he went there and he spoke words. And I'm going to tell you something. Mark tells us the people were amazed at his teaching. What does that mean? Have you ever been amazed? Have you ever seen something and been amazed? I'll tell you what that means. It means to be blown away. It's that wow factor, right? When you're amazed, probably your first thought is wow. right? And listen, that's what Mark says right here. The people were amazed at what Jesus was teaching with his mouth. They were amazed at the words that he spoke. They were blown away by what Jesus was saying. Listen, Mark tells us right here, the scribes, right? The teachers of the law, they never taught like this. They never taught like this. I'm going to tell you why. It's because the words that Jesus spoke, they were powerful and they were clear to the listeners. It was as if the listeners, right, their eyes were open, their ears were open, but more importantly, their hearts were open to what Jesus was saying to them. It reminds me of the writer of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus spoke the word and he spoke it with authority because Jesus is the word. And it was alive. It was active. And the people there, they're, they're, yes, they're looking at Jesus, but more than anything, they're embracing the words that he says. And they're sitting there, and it's, wow. No one has ever said it like that. I, I've never heard it like this. And so Jesus, he teaches with authority through his words. And just in a few moments, after he's teaching with this authority through his words, and the crowds are amazed, what happens? It says there was a demon-possessed man. So not only does Jesus, right, not only does he teach authority with his words, now Jesus exercises his authority through his actions. It says a demon-possessed man was in the synagogue. It says that he was there and he heard what Jesus was saying. Not only did he hear what Jesus was saying, he saw the crowds. He saw the amazement. He he saw and heard everything that was taking place. And he knew, listen to this, he knew who Jesus was. 
Isn't that amazing? He knew who Jesus was. As a matter of fact, what did he say? He says, I know you, Jesus. He said, you are the Holy One of God. And don't miss that title. The demon says, you are the Holy One of God. Do you know what that title represents? That title represents the authority of Jesus as the one true high priest of God. That's what that means. So so the demon is not confused, right? The, the, The demon's not confused about who this is speaking and who this is teaching. The demon knows. And he asked the question, did you come here to destroy us? Why do you think he asked that question? Because he knew Jesus could do it. Right? He, he didn't ask the question to see what Jesus' answer was. It was kind of a rhetorical question. <laughs> did you come here to destroy us? Like, I know you can, <laughs> but are you going to? Right? It wasn't a question of his authority. Listen, the demon knew the authority that Jesus had. And what did Jesus do? I'm going to tell you, Jesus said two things. He said, be quiet. In other words, shut your mouth. This ain't no place for you to talk. And then he said, come out of him. And what happened? The demon shut his mouth, and the demon came out. Now we see both plurality and singularity here. At first it says we, talking about us, demons. So scholars will tell you that that this man was possessed by multiple demons, yet there was one who was speaking and, and, and making himself known. So you do see a plurality there where there's multiple spirits, but you also see a singularity where, you know, the demon comes out. But I'm going to tell you something. Don't miss this. Jesus has authority. And he has it with his words, and he also has it with his actions. And what we see here is that his words and his actions are connected. They work together in unison. Why? Because he is the word. He's the word become flesh. He's Emmanuel. He's the living word. And yes, his authority, the demons, even the demons, have to obey. Heaven and earth. So listen to this. Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. Mark, he's going to move right along. He said, as soon as they left the synagogue, listen, I wish I would have heard what happened right after that demon, right, was thrown out of that man. It says he made a shriek and left. I wish, I wish there were some more verses there, but that's not Mark's style. Right? Mark's style is, let's go to the next thing. So here's what he says in verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. In other words, she was sick. Her health was not good. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. Verse 31. So he went to her took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak Because they knew who he was. Jesus has authority. Absolute authority. 
both in creation and over all of creation. And what we see here is we see Jesus' healing authority. Do you see it? So he has speaking authority. He, he exercises authority. He has acting authority. He also has healing authority. And Jesus heals with authority through his touch. Don't miss this. Listen, could he have healed Simon's mother-in-law without even entering the house? Yeah, absolutely he could have. They could have told Jesus along the way, oh, and by the way, you may not want to go into that house, right? Because there's a fever going around. Might be one of those variants of this bad disease. Don't go up in that house, Jesus. You know, just say it. Just speak it. It'll happen. He could have done that. But that's not Jesus. Not in this passage. Jesus went into the house. And what we see is we see Jesus' authority displayed by healing her with tenderness, by healing her with concern, by healing her with compassion. How did he heal her? He healed her with his touch. Do you see a conversation at all there? Do you see the words at all? Mark doesn't give us the words. Now, I'm sure maybe there was words spoken, but, but Mark wants you to see that Jesus didn't even have to speak to have authority. All it says is that Jesus touched her hand and helped her up, and she was healed. What's awesome is he didn't just heal her and make her feel better. Do you notice that he healed her in such a way that there was no hesitation? What did she do? She got up and started serving. (laughs) What? Like she got up and went to work. Like, you know, most of us when we get better, we're like, oh, I just need one more day. One more day before I go to work and start exerting that energy that I have to exert. Listen, that girl got up and she started working. She started serving. I love Dr. Tony Evans. Listen to what he said. Dr. Tony Evans said, The only appropriate response to God's goodness in your life, in fact, is gratitude shown through service. In other words, when you experience the goodness of God, when when you experience the authority of Jesus Christ in your life in such a way that you are blessed as a child of God, your response ought ought to be gratitude, and it ought to be gratitude by service. In other words, oh God, what you've done for me, I just want to be a vessel of it to others. God, you've poured into me, all I want to do is be a vessel. Just let it flow through me to somebody else. And that's what happened here. That's what happened here. So Jesus, he has speaking authority. We see that in the synagogue. He exercises, he acts out that authority by commanding the demon to be quiet, by commanding the demon to come out. We see Jesus' healing authority over sickness. But not only that, the Bible says they brought a bunch of people who were sick and Jesus healed them. And then it said they also brought demon-possessed people to him. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus... He drives out the demons with purposeful authority. Now, so far, I've been stressing this absolute authority, which means full. It means all authority. But Jesus never practices. He never exercises. He never heals. He never does anything without purpose. And so any authority that Jesus demonstrates, any authority that Jesus uses, it is with purpose. So we see the teaching authority, we see the healing authority, but we see this authority over the demons, and he actually uses his authority with purpose. 
What do I mean by that? Well, I'm going to tell you. Here's what it is. He didn't want the demons testifying about who he was. You want to know why? Because it's not the demon's job to testify about who Jesus Christ is. First and foremost, Jesus said, I am going to testify. I'm going to speak. I'm going to do. And I'm going to tell you something. If you read the Bible, I read throughout the pages, who does Jesus Christ want testifying about who he is? Us. Thank you, Brother Gary. Us. He wants us to do it. Because he's touched us. Because he has saved us. And so I love this. Dr. David Jeremiah, listen to what he said. Jesus did not need the endorsement from the forces of evil. Through his own words and through his own works, he would show that he indeed was the Messiah, the Son of God. See, here's what I believe. I believe when we, what we see in Mark is that the demons, they recognize Jesus. Not only that, the demons obey Jesus. James chapter 2, listen to what James says, 18 and 19. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Listen to verse 19. You believe that there is one God? Well, good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. I'm going to tell you, I had a conversation this week with someone who said, oh, I believe in God. Well, good for you. You, you, you better be careful with that statement because even the demons make that statement. You better be careful with that. Oh, I believe in God. That's why I'm going to heaven. You, you better be careful because the demons believe in God. I'm going to tell you, ain't no room in heaven for them. That's why they fail. It's not enough just to believe. I'm going to tell you something else. It's not enough just to obey. That's a pretty bold statement I'm making, huh? You're probably going, wait a minute now, Brother Jeff. No, you listen to me. Did the demons recognize who Jesus was? Did they believe who Jesus was? Yes, they did. Did the demons obey Jesus Christ? Yes, they did. I'll say it again. It's not enough just to believe and just to obey. It's called surrender. That's where it's at. You want to talk about genuine faith that saves you from your sin. That, that saves you from your sin. It's the kind of faith that says, yes, I believe in God. I believe in God in flesh who is Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. I also will obey God because He is absolute authority. He is God. I am not. What He says is sin is sin. And I don't care what the President says or the Congress says. It's what the Bible says. He has all authority and I surrender to Him. That's genuine faith. That's faith that saves you. That is faith that helps you, right? Helps you in this life to be right with God. Helps you to live for God, to point others to Him, to glorify God. I'm going to tell you something. That's the kind of faith that produces works that glorify God. These demons, they were born out of darkness. They were evil. And the work that they were doing did not point to God, did not glorify God, yet they believed and they even obeyed. 
So, so we better be careful when we pat ourselves on the back and said, oh, I tithe this week. Oh, I went to church this week. Oh, I, I fed the homeless. Oh, I did all these things. You better be careful because even the demons obey. Before you pat yourself on the back, you ought to say, God, it's all you. It's all you, not me. I will obey because you're my father. And I've surrendered my heart to you. In other words, I submit, I yield to your authority over me. I love this. I don't share him a lot, but I read a lot of his sermons. I read a lot of his commentaries. I love Dr. Daniel Aiken. He just has a great way of really explaining things on a basic level. I was reading his commentary, and Dr. Daniel Aiken in his commentary, he asked this question. And it's a question that I want you to think about this morning. Here's the question. Why should Jesus have absolute authority in my life today? I mean, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, when I'm, this is Mark chapter 1. This was how many ever thousand years ago. You know, okay, you know, cast out demons. Okay, he, he, he didn't even speak a word. He just touched this woman and she was healed from fever. I, I know what you're thinking, right? You, you're thinking that was, but it's a lot different today, Brother Jeff. These diseases are a lot stronger, a lot bigger, a lot different. They kill a lot more people. Okay, whatever. You believe what you want to believe, but I believe God's word yesterday. I believe it today and I believe it tomorrow. If it was good in Mark's day, it's good in Jeff's day. And guess what? It'll be good when Jeff's gone. Why should you, why should you surrender? Why should Jesus have absolute authority in your life today? Dr. Aiken, he goes on, and here's what he says. Whether you admit it or not, you will have some sort of authority in your life. You will, listen to me again, you will have some sort of authority in your life. Number one, maybe it's reason. Maybe the authority in your life is what you think. What you think, right? Maybe it's your thoughts that have the authority over your life. That's pretty deep. Maybe you're surrendered to your thoughts. Your thoughts, right? What you think about what's going on right here, right now, is what drives you to walk this way or walk this way. Maybe you're under the authority of your thoughts. Maybe you're under the authority of experience. It's called feeling. Did anybody ever say, well, what's your gut telling you? Has anybody ever had that said to you before? What's your gut feeling on this, right? And listen... Whether it's intentional or unintentional, what you're basically saying is, whatever you feel, then that's what you ought to do. Anybody ever got in trouble with that? Oh, I'm going to tell you, Satan loves that. Satan would love for you to live your life on how you feel. Because he's going to offer all this sugar-coated, pretty little candy stuff up in front of you. And man, you're just going to keep biting and biting. Oh, I, I feel this way, so I'll go this way. Oh, I feel this. Listen to you. Listen to me. Some of you... You're under the authority of your feelings. You're living life based on how you feel. Maybe it's tradition. Uh-oh. Used a, used a tough word in the church, didn't I? Maybe it's tradition. Maybe you're under the authority of tradition. Do you know what the authority of tradition is? Well, that's the way my mom and daddy did it. 
that's the way we've always done it at Start Baptist Church. Well, that's just the way we've done that. This is just how we do this. This is it. It is what it is. Maybe you're under the authority of tradition. Maybe you're under the authority of reason. How I think. Maybe it's maybe it's I'm under the authority of experience. It's just what I feel. I'm gonna tell you. Dr. Aiken in his commentary says, maybe, just maybe, you ought to be under the, th- the authority of something called revelation. Revelation. You know what that is? That's God. God reveals himself to us in the Word. He reveals himself to us in the Word. Not just that. God reveals himself to us through the Word become flesh, Jesus Christ. God reveals himself to us through the Spirit who indwells us. Listen to me. Maybe, just maybe, you and I, we ought to dump reason. Maybe we ought to dump, right, experience and feeling. Maybe we ought to dump tradition. And maybe, just maybe, we ought to get into this revelation thing. Because here's what I understand. When I read God's Word and I see men and women who are living under the authority of God based on revelation, who He is, who He says He is, I see men and women who are living with trust and obedience. I see men and women in the Bible who live with no fear. Who, who don't, don't live with doubt. Does that mean they, they don't struggle? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying they walk differently in this world than other people walk. And I'm going to tell you, if you are struggling right now with authority in your life, maybe just maybe it's because you've allowed something else or someone else to have authority in your life that has no business having it. If you're a child of the king, then the king ought to have absolute authority in your life. That means over you and over anyone or anything else in your life. So it leads me to two questions. When I, when I read this passage of Scripture, it really comes down to two questions. Number one, have you completely surrendered? There's the word. Have you completely surrendered to Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That, that's the key. I didn't ask you if you believed in God. I didn't ask you if you came to church every Sunday. I didn't ask you if you were on this ministry team. I didn't ask you if you'd, if you'd give money. I didn't ask you that. What I asked you was, have you surrendered to Jesus Christ as your Lord? Because that's not just belief and obedience. That is embrace through humble repentance of sin. I know I'm a sinner. I know I am wrong. I know God has set the standard and I missed it. He made the mark and I can't get it. I can't hit it. I have failed. I am a sinner. However, I do know what God's Word says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Even while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. So I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's the chosen one. He's the Holy One of God. Yeah, I believe what the demon believes. He's the Holy One of God. He is the high priest. He's my high priest. And so I believe that Jesus Christ lived for me, died for me, rose from the grave for me. And because I believe that, I repent of my sin. I ask Him to come into my heart. He comes into my heart. He saves me, and I am surrendered to Him. He has authority in my life. That's saving faith. And then the second question, is Jesus the authority of all your life? (laughs) That one's a little... That was pretty tough, right? 
Because, I, I mean, yeah, he had authority of you today. You wouldn't be here. Right? But what about tomorrow morning? Right? When you ain't sitting by your church members. And, and, and nobody else is watching. Does he have authority then? And does he have authority at your workplace? The way you're talking to your employees or employers? I mean, does he have authority in your home? In the way you're raising your children? Does he have authority over you at the gas station, in the restaurant, when the waitress gets the order wrong? Huh? Or when the cooks don't get the food out fast enough? Or if this is cold, right? I know it's funny, but I know it's funny in a sense. And the devil wants you to say that really don't matter. I'm going to tell you something, it does matter. Because the waitress at the restaurant needs Jesus Christ, and maybe, just maybe, you're the vessel that day that she sees Jesus. Or maybe, maybe you're the reason she says, I don't want any part of that. Talking that talk, but ain't walking that walk. I don't know. I was excited about this passage of Scripture when I studied it. And then the more I studied, I was like, God, I'm guilty. I'm guilty because I struggle with authority. I, I don't just struggle against it. I struggle with it. God, you've given me the authority. You've given me the kingdom authority to be an example in this world of Jesus Christ, to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. But God, so many times, I just reject it. I just miss it. I just mess it up. I'm going to tell you, here's what I love. Here's what I love about the book of Mark and what we're going to see from this point forward. I'm I'm not asking you to be perfect. You wonder why? Because I don't want you to ask me to be perfect. You want to know why? Because both of us are going to (laughs) fail. You wouldn't want to come to church anymore if I said, from now on, you've got to be perfect. And I'm going to tell you something. I wouldn't want to preach to you anymore if you looked at me and said, from now on, Brother Jeff, you better get it right. You better get it perfect. We, We would disappoint each other. And here's the thing. God's not asking you to be perfect. He's not. You know what he's asking? He's asking you to surrender. Big difference. He's asking you to surrender. What does God want? He wants all of what? Your heart. He wants all of your what? Your mind. He wants all of your what? Your strength. He wants all of your soul. He he wants it all. That's what he wants. He wants surrender. He wants you to recognize that He is God, and that He created you in His image. He created you in His image. And He created you to be in right relationship with Him. And He has done everything, everything for you and for me to be right with Him. And His name is Jesus. And He's given Jesus all authority in heaven and in earth over all creation and in all of creation. And when we surrender... To God, all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. When we surrender to God, we don't surrender to Him perfectly. You know what? We 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 surrender to Him broken, broken. God, here I am. 
My sin has messed me up. My sin has messed this world up. But I know you love me. And I know you love me so much that you gave your only son Jesus for me to be right with you. And so I surrender to you today. I surrender to Jesus. And God, I know that you'll make me whole again. And I know that you have forgiven me, not just of all that stuff I've done, but God, you've forgiven me of the stuff I'm guilty of right now. And God, you've even forgiven me of the stuff that I don't even know about. (laughs) God, your forgiveness is complete. Why? Because your authority is complete and it's found in Jesus and I surrender. So have you surrendered? Have you surrendered to Jesus as Lord? The Lordship, Lordship of Jesus Christ is all about his authority. Are you walking under his authority? Are you walking in his authority? It'll make a difference. I pray it makes a difference in your pastor. I pray it makes a difference in our church because it will make a difference in our community. People need Jesus. They need to hear his voice. They need to see his works. They need to see who he is. And I'm going to tell you something. You and I are God's ambassadors. We are vessels of Jesus Christ in this world. Oh God, help us. Help us. Help us as we are the hands and feet of Jesus to a dying and lost world that needs to see him.